Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Hey everybody, this is Chop Talk, and I'm your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a five-star rating. And be sure to check out pictures from this week's show on Facebook and join in the conversation on Twitter. Jean Joseph Walker from Peoria, Illinois, is back today to continue our discussion. In today's show, he picks up with a few more stories about Okinawa, the amazing growth of Robert Trius's United States Karate Association, and then he gives a few tips on the business side of karate and shares some of the tricks of having a financially successful school. We then wrap up with some discussion on his upcoming seminar. To find out more about Sheon Joseph Walker and his three schools in Central Illinois, go to www.peoriakarate.com or call 309-692-2499. And to reach his school in Burleson, Texas, which is near Fort Worth, go to www.burlesonkarate.com, that's B-U-R-L-E-S-O-N, karate.com, or call 817-484-2985. And remember, this weekend, Sheehan Walker is hosting a seminar, the Kagami Baraki Gashku, or Renewal of Spirit Seminar in Peoria, Illinois. To find out more about the seminar, you can call the Peoria School at 309-692-2499 or email aokkarate at yahoo.com. And there's a registration form posted on the Chop Talk Facebook page. Now, last week, Sheehan Walker had a special offer for Chop Talk listeners. Even though the early bird registration deadline had already passed, he had offered to extend the discounted seminar price to Chop Talk listeners. Uh, That was only good for one week after the first episode aired, so we are technically past the deadline. But you might be able to talk him into giving you the discount price if you call today. Maybe. No promises. Otherwise, you can still pay full price at the door for either the Friday night workout or the Saturday seminar. And Peoria is within a few hours' drive of most of the Midwest, so that Saturday seminar might be worth a day trip. All right. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. While I was living over there, you came over and visited twice, and we went around and worked out. And we were at um, Takamiyagi's Dojo, who... You know, I think Weishiru has pretty much splintered and everybody's calling their different branch. It's not Weishiru anymore, anymore, it's something else. So I I don't know who's calling each other what, but Takamiyagi was Weishiru. And we were there and he had a big photo framed from that early trip. I think the one with Mike Awad on it because all the the Shiriru guys had their suits on and all the, uh, I think all the uh, Weishiru guys had their, uh, geese on and they were all photo at that dojo and there's i don't know uh 30 40 people all in that photo yeah that's in alan dollar's book too 
Mm. If you ever pick up Alan Dollar's book, that photo of of the USKA team and the Weishiru guys together. Um, I hear I heard Taki Miyagi passed away. Yes, yeah, he he, he did. If you if you remember when we met him, um, he we he and I talked about the singing. Yes, and when they when they came, uh, Weishi. Weishi Sensei threw a party for Grandmaster Trius and the, then the, the troops, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at the party, he stood up and he sang a song and he said, I want to toast my, my uh, uh, guests, the Americans. And everybody drank a toast. And, and, uh, and then uh, Sensei said, oh, that was very nice. He goes, Mr. Trius, you must propose a toast and you must sing a song. And so Sensei sang this old war song. That you know went something like I, I lost my mommy, I lost my poppy fighting the Japanese. Okay. <laughs> then later, yeah, yeah, and you know he's, but that was sensei, and he's got right. a room full of some of the people. Now, not Weishi. Weishi didn't do it. Mm-hmm. His father didn't do it. But uh, uh, there was a bunch of people who probably had sentiments on the other side. Oh uh, yeah. And, uh, ta- and one guy stood up and sang a booming song, and everybody, all the. Okinawan said, kamikaze, kamikaze. That was Taki Miyagi. And that he was very proud of the fact that he replied right. to Sensei's war song with his war song. If you remember, later that night I asked uh, Shinzato Sensei, uh, was he in the war? And he said, oh, no, too young. We all had to sing the kamikaze song mm-hmm. every day at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I found I found that... Very interesting that the Japanese were brain, trying to brainwash the Okinawans in that way. Yeah. Uh, getting them to sing the well, Kamikaze and, song every and, day. And at least in Takamiyagi's case, and I don't mean this to be offensive to anyone, I mean it to be accurate. Takamiyagi was one of the most Japanese Okinawans that I ever met. I mean, he the, the personality, what, what he expected, his, his attitude, his approach was much more what you would expect in mainland Japan than kind of the laid-back, you know, uh, gregarious yogi that we were talking talking about earlier. Uh, that was not Yogi's person. I'm sorry, that was not Takamiyagi's personality. Uh, so I can I can see you know you know he, him being the guy to stand up and do the kamikaze song. That makes total sense. <laughs> and and. Uh... I assume you visited it more often than just the time we did. No, um, I think I was there. I think I was there twice. Uh, the, the time, and I, I cannot remember whether when you and I went because we went with Shinzato. Um, I don't yeah. remember if that was my first time or second time, but the second time I think was exactly the same. I did, you know, there was no workout. You could sit and watch, um, and and that was it. Um, I'm t- I'm trying to think. He did get mad. There was a BBC crew that came over that uh, he got mad at, and he kind of threw him out of the dojo. Um, they were filming some. I, I think it was. I think I wound up being called like Haya something something karate. And this B- this B- this BBC crew, what they wanted to do is they had a group of like uh, parents and children, like a father, son, mother, daughter, something like that. They had a, a few of these, and so their plan was. Uh, to go 
to Okinawa and have them all get promoted to black belt in Kung Fu in uh, three weeks of training. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't go for that. (laughs) No, no, he didn't. And so, and so because of the attitude, so the BBC crew, I think went there and tried to explain this and he was going to do exactly what he did to us, which was you guys sit here and watch us do this class. And after, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, they got bored and started leaving. So he got upset and either tossed them out or something, or it was words were said that they were no longer welcome. And kind of word went out around the island. And they had irritated some other people because they obviously didn't know what they were doing, number one. They had done no research. They didn't know where they were. They didn't even know what martial art they were doing. And they didn't understand that you cannot be promoted to black belt in three weeks. Uh, And so they were irritating everybody. It is, it, it is interesting when we tromp around in other people's culture and we don't fully understand it. And we never fully understand it, but um, that was uh, pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and they had an interview. My, one of my roommates was um, worked for the city. He was an American, but he was fluent, and he worked for the city government. And so he got them in touch with me. So I sat down with them for coffee once because they were looking for someone who spoke English to kind of guide these people along. And they explained to me all what they were trying to do, and they got thrown out of this dojo, and they had this problem with Takamiyagi. And and I told them, it's like, you, you people don't understand what you're trying to do. First of all, it's like, it's not, Kung Fu has nothing to do with what they're doing here. You know, this is, we're doing karate, and there's nobody here who's going to promote anybody to uh, Black Belt in three weeks. You guys just, they just had, just had no understanding. Um they wound up filming it with, um, there was, I think he's a British guy who was living there and working out in uh, Higaona's dojo. And Higaona has the big worldwide organization, so he's all up for the publicity. And I think they wound up teaching these people to, like, yellow belt or something something like that. So they kind of adjusted the, eventually adjusted the show. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should have known to begin with. Yeah, it, well, and and we all do that to a lesser extent. Yeah. We, we all don't understand other people's culture, but I mean that that was pretty that's pretty terrible. But, yeah. It, oh well. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me go back here. Um, with with the Wuko, do you remember which of the other Okinawan groups were involved in trying to get? So it was the USKA, and who else was uh, Shoshinagamini? The Shoshinagamini was backing Wuko. Okay. And trying to get Katas in there. Uh, Shimabuku. Uh, Senior at that time, we, right? Um, I know, I think the one we met. Okay. Uh, is it Ezio? Or uh, the fathers and son always have, have very similar names. Right. I guess. I, 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 but the one we met, he came to meet Grandmaster Trias at the hotel, and they sat and spoke for probably an hour or so and and the conversation primarily revolved around getting Wuku to accept katas and since they was going to try for wansu and anaku mm-hmm. um and uh and you know i let me say i think we make a mistake when we ignore people with a slightly different interest in the martial arts hmm. so if you know if you're a traditionalist and you ignore all the competitors because, you know, 
they like trophies or whatever, right? we're making a mistake. If you're a competitor and you ignore the more traditional stuff that may not go over well in competition, you're making a mistake. Hmm. If you if you ignore other avenues where people aren't really worried about art, but they're just interested in what's truly effective, I think we're making a mistake. I think you know we're all cousins, some more distant cousins than the other, and we right. all have things we can learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so few people that are doing this traditional martial arts that, you know, why divide it even further that, you know, this guy entered a tournament, therefore I can never speak to him again, or or any other, I, I don't want to I come up with a few other examples, but, but I think that's a general attitude that is not helping anybody. Exactly, and, and there's something to be learned from everybody. I mean, even if even if you look at what the guy's doing, you're going, well, you know, I don't want to do that. There's probably some some point that that he has that makes it at least there's something to learn from what he does, even if it's, if you don't personally want to adapt it into your your training schedule. But that's just my opinion. Uh, Absolutely. But those two for sure definitely wanted to work with Wuko, saw the wisdom in working with Wuko at the time. Yeah. Um, again, I don't think they ever got anywhere. Right. I don't think the Japanese ever accepted an Okinawan version of Akata. They stuck with, you know, uh, Shitoru and Shotokan and Goju and the, a very Japanese form of Goju. Right. I don't know if they even let very much Wado in. Mm. But, uh, well, I go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Uh, so, you know, I I think one of the, you know, one of the, so with our with the Shuriru, Wansu, and Anaku, you know, trying to get unified with Shimabukus, I think we saw that you and I were sitting there and watched, and their Wansu and Anaku was pretty much identical to what the Shuriru guys run, and I think part of that was through the coordination effort of that Wuko. Uh, in the 80s. And if you look at Sensei's pinnacle, there's a point where he changes, I mean, and you look at all of them right. and how they evolve. There's a point we were doing uh, Augmented Chateau in Kiba, and then all of a sudden we're doing Augmented Chateau in Nikobudo, I'm not Nikobudo, uh, in uh, And And there's a point where we're doing Backfist in Afudo, and then we're doing it in Kakidach. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you also look, he lists other little changes to make if you're running an international competition. Well, we never got it accepted for international competition, but that's what he was setting it up for. Mm. And that's what what he was doing. And uh, uh, Sensei was always looking ahead and uh, wanted to be part of the big picture, whatever the big picture was. And, And he... He didn't worry about whether it was competition-based or if it was, you know, more traditional. He wanted to know all about it, whatever it was. Looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition? Want to give your body some much-needed relief and relaxation? Try Medical Resort ATAC, Okinawa specialists in sports therapy and wellness care. ATAC offers customizable massage therapy. Try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. ATAC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. 
or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www.a-tac.net. Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese. Now, but he was also a little bit selective about who he was teaching. I, I think you told me a couple stories when you were in you were in the dojo in Phoenix, and Black Belt Magazine was calling, and he blew him off. Oh yeah, um, he's funny, uh, and he uh, he had a very interesting sense of humor. Uh, I we'd be talking in the office, and uh, Ross would come in, same Ross, uh, and say, uh, "Black Belt Magazine calling," and he goes, "Well, what do they want?" He said, "Well, they wanted to talk to you." He said, "Well, um, I can't teach them over the phone. If they want to learn karate, <laughs> tell them to come here." And he goes, uh, since I, I don't think they want to learn karate, and he goes, well, then I can't help them. That's what I do. I'm a karate teacher. If they don't want to learn karate, I can't help them. Joe came all the way from Peoria to learn karate. Uh, go back and tell him I'm talking to Joe. And Ross, he said, Ross goes, but he, they just want to interview you. Well, yeah, but I, if, they, if they don't want to learn karate, I'm really not got anything to say to him. Tell him I'm teaching Joe karate, and so I can't be bothered. <laughs> But that was just his humor. <laughs> uh, he he felt slighted a time or two by Black Belt Magazine, so they yeah. were out. <laughs> they were done. Wow. They had their shot. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this is something I was looking at last night. So, at one point, and, I, and I'm not sure exactly which point it was, but at one point, his organization, the USKA, United States Karate Association, was the largest karate association in the world. And there were branches all around the world. It was bigger than the JKA, the big Shotokan organization. Is it JKA or JKF? I always get those two mixed up. JKA. JKA. Which I think is probably the biggest, well, maybe now it's not WUKO, maybe it's WKF, but now. But anyway, at, at that time... And they had the backing of basically the Japanese government and this, all the Shotokan and all this sort of backing. And the USKA was him. It was him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a... In, in, when we were in Irvine in 1987, there were 63 member nations participating in the World Championships. Wow. wow. Um, and um, but the reason it grew was he would go all around the world, and he would walk in and talk to people, and and uh, I'm sure he, he a whole bunch of them he was instantly their friend, you know. Mm. Oh yeah, you're yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was just sensei. He he uh, tended to like everybody. Um, now you know he might get irritated with you. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he would draw people in because he he treat he didn't he didn't walk in and say like uh, I'm you know the big guy I'm the highest of the high and you're only this rank and you know 
Mm-hmm. It was always uh, a an attitude of, of let's be pals. Now, by the way, most people realized that he'd been in longer than they had, and he knew more than they did. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize it at the beginning of the conversation. They'd realize it by the end of the conversation, because since they always knew more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You'd mention a subject, and he'd go, oh, yeah, da 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 Then he'd start talking about it, and you'd go, oh, crap, he knows all about that. And you mention another subject, and you go, oh, yeah, da 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 And start talking about it, and you realize you're behind him on that one, too. Mm. So uh, he won a lot of people over. And he wasn't shy about saying, we are the United States Karate Association. We are the largest, the most prestigious, the best karate association in the world. Mm-hmm. That would be his opening statement. Wow. Uh, he always said, go ahead and brag, just don't lie. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was just, I was just amazed, because I, I, I'd never thought about it, that perspective, where you have the Japanese government and all these, and all these other different organizations versus him. And he wound up, at that time, being on top. And then when he wasn't around anymore, obviously... It was him that was tying everything together, and everything went in different directions, and now it's kind of congealing back, but this other thing is over there, and this other thing is over here. Uh, you know, it's just kind of amazing that he was able to do what he did uh, organizationally. Well, and also, you know, he like, like I think the knowledge helped a lot, because if you go, well, I'm a Chinese stylist, and I, I studied this style, and you go, oh, yeah, my teacher was Chinese, da-da-da, he, t- he studied this, this, and this, uh, you know, which, which branch of Singy are you in? Mm. And, you know, most people are looking at him going, I didn't know if Singy had branches. <laughs> you know, <I'm, laughs> right. and then uh, you, go, you go, oh, uh, uh, I I study Shotokan. Oh yeah, I was a Shotokan representative for the United States Karate for the JKA from this year to this year in the United States. And uh, da 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 da. Uh, do you know this guy and this guy? And this? When the first time we visited um, uh, the sho- the uh, Kodokan together uh, in Japan in Tokyo, the, the, jud- the judo Kodokan. Said, yeah, judo headquarters mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. He said. Go back and ask if my old instructor, so and so, is still there. And, and forgive me, but I forget the name. And I went back maybe, and I maybe asked, Yamada. And they said, um, "Yes, you can't see him." And uh, I said, "Well, a student of his, uh, Robert Trius, was asking if uh, he was still here." And they said, "Oh," and. Uh, somebody overheard the conversation, a higher rank in judo. Hmm. There was a discussion in Japanese, which I didn't understand, and suddenly I'm in having a private audience with the head of judo for the world <laughs> and discussing wow. uh, and discussing uh, his old student, uh, Robert Trius, who, by the way, we're having a very hard time uh, uh, communicating since... My Japanese is minuscule, and his English was non-existent. <laughs> um, but that's true. I I had a had the uh, a, a private uh, uh, discussion with the head of judo for the world at the time, who, by the way, who's who's was living in the Kodokan and seemed to be very very sick and and perhaps on his deathbed. Um, but. He he always knew pretty much everybody. Wow! And 
he knew he knew the names of the head guys. He he met them. They you know they tended to remember him. He's a memorable guy. Mm-hmm. Now I I'm gonna and I may trim this little portion out. Uh, but I but I heard I heard a story that. There was possibly that the way when he met Konishi, there was maybe some communication from Singh had been writing to Motobu and Motobu had talked to Konishi saying that he had taught a big Amer he was teaching a big American and when he met, first met Konishi Konishi says oh you must be the big American that Motobu was was talking about did you ever hear anything like that and this may or may not go in depending on if it's I, well yeah if it goes in it's not going to be very interesting. Because I didn't hear anything about that. Okay. Right. Uh, I I met with Konichi's son, in, uh, who you met to, yes. in 94, and he gave me uh, Konichi's biography, which was very, very interesting. Hmm. And, uh, and, and good news, it's in English. Um, and... But uh, we that I've never heard that discussed. Okay. Um, what I did hear discussed uh, the way he got to know Oyama. Of course, Oyama came to the United States. Matsutatsu Oyama came to the United States in 1952. Um, wow, early. He was brought here by the by the Chicago Wrestling Federation. Okay. Uh, which was yeah. Well, during that time, they would have these matches and i saw one as a kid and it was one karate guy you know who was a japanese karate guy probably 150 pounds 160 pounds against five 280 pound wrestlers <laughs> and of course the karate guy won and it was just as legitimate as every other match that night uh, fully, <laughs> fully choreographed uh very interesting, uh, very good display of karate, mm. but it was a demonstration, right? You know, every sense of the word. Um, well, Gene LaBelle came out of that. Gene LaBelle is a professional wrestler and, and came out of that in, with the judo, but not the not on the karate side, obviously. But and that right. was from that he era as well. Here in Texas, he wrestled down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, his biographies are very interesting and i and i got a couple of chances to work out with gene labelle well, uh, he's a very interesting guy uh one day you'll you'll meet you know he's he's done judo then he did professional wrestling and you know you can say what you want about professional wrestling uh yes it's choreographed yes it's, but also it's dangerous hmm. and then he did stunt work and so there are days gene labelle gets up and he doesn't move that good yeah. And there are other days he gets up and gets going, and, and you're going, "Wow, I can't believe he just did that at his age." Yeah. But it, it, you know, it's a day-to-day thing, I think, with him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he just gets up for certain things. But I've seen him move really well, and I've seen him walking around like he's he he can't, you know, it would take him a half hour to get across the room. But uh, he's a he's an interesting guy. Uh, every time I did a seminar with it with him at the end of the seminar he'd ask who would like a, a patch that says i was choked out by gene labelle and every time somebody volunteered to get choked out and <laughs> he would choke them until they were quite lifeless and uh uh 
let them flop to the floor from a fully standing position, and uh, it really looked bad. Uh, and then he would say, anybody else want a patch? And invariably, somebody else raised their hand. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going, well, the first time I've been foolish, but you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but uh, that's that's Gene LaBelle. He, if, if, again, if you get a chance to read his book, he talks about, uh, you know, he wears a pink gi. Right. And the reason he wears a pink gi, he was uh, on a uh, competition team in Japan, and the girl who was escorting him said, oh, Mr. LaBelle, let me wash your gi. And he let her wash his gi. Well, when she brought it to for the next tournament, she'd wash it with something she owned that was red, and now he had a pink gi, <laughs> and he didn't have time to change. And he said he was so mad that he had to compete in a pink gi that he just killed everybody in his division. And uh, he decided from then on he'd wear a pink gi. Uh, <laughs> <it>, Out <laughs> of spite. Cause it, it, yeah, because it made him mad and he, he fights a little bit harder. All right, I'm sorry, I, I, got, I got, got us off on the, on the Gene LaBelle uh, branch here. You were talking about Masoyama coming to the U.S. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Masoyama came to the U.S. And, I, and Sensei and he uh, had some sort of match in Detroit. And... Uh, but at the time, Sensei said that you could not send correspondence from the United States to Red China and that he would send correspondence and money to Matsutatsu in Japan, Matsutatsu Oyama in Japan, and Oyama would send it on to, to Tongji Singh in China. Oh, okay. And that's how they were able to communicate after Tongji Singh had gone home to China. Mm. And. And, and the U.S. government would not allow correspondence coming between American citizens and them. Uh, and I, uh, so th- there, there's that story, right? For what it's worth, right. he, he had a signed picture from Oyama in his dojo. Uh, not that the other people didn't, but if you, yeah. if you look at his uh, list of. Uh, Certificates. There's a Kyokushin certificate in there too. Yeah, I, I think if uh, you know, especially I think that the newer Pinnacles, the the newer red cover, whatever it was issued '92 or after, most of those are out. But if you if you can look at an older one, uh, I, I think it's in the back there. If anyone wants to look that up, in fact, maybe I'll I got to look see what I've got on my shelf. Maybe I'll post a, a photo of that uh, with the show. You sure it's not in Supreme Way? Could be in the supreme way. I, I've I, I've seen it somewhere. I'll just have to flip through. I just have to flip through the pages to find out where it is. This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on the Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing 
plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. One of the things that you know you're you're known for in the martial arts world is running a successful uh, dojo, financially successful, and you've been able to do that with keeping your your standards and and, and your teaching at, at a very high level. And I, I think there's a conception or a misconception in the martial arts world that if you want to have a dojo and you want to have a couple hundred people signed up and you want to be able to support yourself that you need to have one of these quote-unquote mick dojos or the belt factories where you're promoting everybody every other week and you have the you know the dreaded six-year-old black belt and you you're able to have the success but keep the standards well yeah and and the the perception you uh, mention is a misconception. Some of the people who have some of the most successful students, uh, studios, karate schools, dojos, have some of the highest standards. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't. They don't all have the highest standards. Certainly, there are guys who who promote much quicker than I do. But I I'm slower to promote than a lot of the guys who um, are not as successful. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't done any work. Um, unless you count running a dojo for about 25 so years, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but but if you think about it, if I have like I own four dojos, mm. if I have say 450 students, mm-hmm. and one of my students goes. I should be promoted, and if you don't promote me, I quit. Or, you know, get that across to me somehow. Mm-hmm. Since I have 450 students, how, do you think I feel a lot of pressure at that moment? I, I don't. Right, I, right. I would have to say to them, okay, I will really miss you, but you need to work on this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I sat down with a student one time and said, uh, your, your karate really looks pretty good. I want to promote you a year from today. You're a black belt. I want you to move up to the next range of black belt. But you need to go to your judo class because your judo's not that good. Mm-hmm. And we want you to have some, you know, we have a pretty good quality judo. And he said, yes, sir. And he started going to judo class. And then about two months later, he said, I kind of hurt my shoulder in judo class. I said, okay, well, if you can't make it to judo class, I'd like to see you at Wednesday night advanced class. He said, okay, um, I'll be there. And so after about a month, he said, well, that's really not working. I, 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 that's really inconvenient for me. Well, get in as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Then one year later, I sat him down and I said, you know, I'd really like to promote you, but you need to work on your judo. Um, a year from today, I'd like to promote you. Uh, could you go to judo class? And he said, well, you told me that a year ago. I said, are you going to judo class? And he said, no. I hurt my shoulder. And I said, did your shoulder get better? He goes, well, yeah. I said, okay. If you go to judo class for a year, I'm going to promote you. But, you know, mm-hmm. suddenly he realized I meant it. Right. And guess right. what? He went to judo class, his judo got better, and I promoted him. Right. But, you know, th- there's no reason. Some of the best guys 
in the world. One of one of the most successful dojos in the world is Buzz Durkins on the East Coast. He's a Weishiru stylist. He didn't even teach Kobudo. All he taught is Weishiru. That's all he taught. I'm not putting Weishiru down, but it's not a flamboyant style. Mm-hmm. It is a solid Okinawan style. He lived in a town with about 5,000 people. He had 500 students. Wow. Every 10th person you met in town was his student. So, wow. And, and he, he didn't, to my knowledge, he didn't promote him extremely fast. He just taught what he thought was right and did the right stuff. But mm-hmm. he also was very good at keeping people in the dojo once they started. Mm-hmm. And, and I talk to a lot of karate guys who I love, and, and I've had guys say to me, I wish, I wish I could do it full time. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I would go, oh, okay, well, you know, if you did this, this, and this, and, you know, you try this and that, and then usually they stop me and they go, I'm not interested in business. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, okay, that's not a problem. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and you're not doing it, you're not ever going to do it full time. And I came to the realization, is, it wasn't that they wanted to do it full time. They didn't want to have to go to that other job that they didn't like. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and I'm willing to, to do the things I need to do as far as, as uh, you know, if, if, if we don't know each other and we have a conversation, there's a strong likelihood sometime in that conversation is going to come out that I'm a martial arts teacher and that you ought to do it. Right, right. And I might, and I might sign up one or two people a month from people who I meet at Walmart hmm. or wherever. But hmm. I, it, it, now, do I sign up any large percentage of those people? No. But what does mm-hmm. it cost me to talk? Nothing. Right. So right. I, I pitch everybody. Right. I, tell, I tell everybody they ought to do it. Yeah. And everyone wants somebody does it. So l- let me ask That's this. If, if, so the, the guy who is either is either, you know, teaching out of his garage or he has a small dojo that he runs like as a second job or as a like part time job and he wants to, you know, step up and, and and do it professionally, what are what are some of the bullet points, what are some of the highlights, the things that he can do to take it to that next to that next level what are the mistakes that these people are making that prevent them from going to the next level or what can they do to go to the next level well first of all he needs to ask himself what he needs needs to to do it full time and probably what he needs is a hundred more students Hmm. who are paying not a hundred more students a hundred more paying students Hmm. so he needs to figure out how to get a hundred more paying students um there have been some dojos built with the VITP concept, and all they do is, is every single person they meet and they go up and start talking to everybody in a particular place until they ask them to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they'll just walk into McDonald's and they go, oh, hi, da 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 and, and maybe they'll ask them a question and, you know, ask them for help with something. When they, they say, oh, yeah, the florist, you just go down here and you go, oh, thank you. That's so nice of you to tell me where that is. Hey, how would you like 100 bucks? And they go, what? Uh, well, you know, you told me where the florist was. How would you like a hundred bucks? And they go, I don't. Uh, sure. Uh, go, well, I don't have a hundred dollars to give you, but I got a hundred dollars worth of martial arts lessons. Here you go. Um, huh. If you, you would like to take karate, or anybody in your family take karate, 
um, all you have to do is bring this in, take an introductory lesson, and, and your first $100 worth of lessons are free. And they go, oh, wow, thanks, that's nice. Okay, hey, let's make an appointment for you. Hmm. Now, they do that all day. Guess what? They get turned down a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But maybe they get five new, new people to come in for introductory lessons in a week. Right. And, and some people built dojos on that concept only. Mm. And they make a living. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's the hardest way in the world to do it. But the key is you've got to start marketing. You've got to okay. start asking people. You've got to start talking to people. You've got to start getting your name out there. You just gotta, and, and every time you talk to people, if you talk to a person, your goal is to make an appointment for them to come in and try an introductory lesson. Okay. And then when they come in for try an introductory lesson, your goal is to sign them up on a program. And when they sign up on a program, your goal is to sign them up on a longer program. Now, after that, teach great karate, mm-hmm. and and don't teach any, don't do any BS in the meantime. I mean, I've I've known some guys. I, I won't say any names, but they yeah. they their introductory lesson was total BS. It had nothing to do with what they taught. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's absolutely nothing to do. Huh. But they thought it was okay because after they signed them up, they quote taught great karate right well yeah but but they signed up without knowing what they were getting into Mm -hmm. so that's maybe not the best thing maybe not what you should do is yeah what you should do is is get people to want what you have and then give them what they want which is what you have yeah and uh then you could then you can have high expectations but obtainable expectations you won't want to set it so high that they can't ever get it right uh, that's a mistake too, and you gotta understand that not not everybody is exactly alike. There are some people, you know, if you have somebody with, uh, I, I had one guy who uh, didn't have the courage to go up for black belt mm. until one day I sat him down and said, "Hey, you're going up such and such a date." He goes, well, I don't think I'm ready. I go, I know you're not ready. You got six months. <laughs> That's the day you're going up. <laughs> so you, so get ready. And he goes, well, do you think I can do it? I said, I know you can do it, but now it's time to do it. Right. And he did it. You yeah. know, but uh, did he have to stretch a little bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, not only not only try to get the people in, try to do the right thing once you got them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing that one thing that I I think you know so taekwondo really boomed in the 70s and 80s uh and I think a lot of the karate guys at that time were working out harder and were better than taekwondo guys you know a lot of these taekwondo guys had the you know the trans-pacific promotion where you get in an airplane and you know, Seoul, South Korea as a first-degree black belt, and you pass over Japan, you become a second-degree black belt. You pass over Hawaii, third-degree black belt, L.A., fourth, you know, uh, Peoria, fifth, and you land in New York, and all of a sudden you're an eighth-degree great-grandmaster. And, but the thing that a lot of these guys had was uh, more of attention to customer service, where some of the karate guys of that time, you had to, get in there basically like the Shaolin Monastery. You had to sit in formal kneeling in front of the dojo for three days in the rain before they unlocked the door. Whereas the Taekwondo guys were going, hey, yeah, come on in, we'll sign you up for this and we'll give you that. And so I think customer service is a is a big thing that 
a lot of karate guys need, but a lot of them also, when I've talked to them, they're disgusted by it. You answer the phone? <laughs> you, you, the door's unlocked? You show up to show to teach classes when the, when on time? You know, it's almost just disgust. I don't get it. <laughs> well, I, I don't either. And, and it, it, I give you some great examples of that. Uh, uh, I, I said to one one guy asked me how come my dojo was successful. I started telling him some things, and one of the first things I said when somebody walks in the door, we want to say hello to them before they get more than three foot in the door. Mm-hmm. We don't want them wandering around the school. I mean, you know, and we're not only talking to the new guy, we're talking about the guy who's been there 10 years. Right. We want to greet him. We want to say hello to him. He goes, okay. you come to the students and say hello to him? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't wait for them to find me in the office. I go out to them and say, "Hey, how you doing? It's nice to see you." Yeah. Um, I uh, Bernie Carrick tells a story about how when he called up Peter Urban the first time and said he wanted to take lessons, and Peter Urban said, "Good." And he said, "How do I find your dojo?" He said, "If you really want it that bad, you'll find it." And hung up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, uh, you know, it's. That's you're right. That's not very good customer service. Right. Um, now, in in Mr. Urban's defense, uh, there was a lot less karate around, so he could get away with some of that then. Right. But you know, he probably would have had a whole bunch of big, big, bigger following if he would have let people know where he was and how to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a thought. <laughs> but yeah, you 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 should treat. I know it's a weird concept, but you should treat people the way you wanted to be treated. Hmm. Um, you should be friendly to guys, and you should be happy that they're there, and you should show them that you're happy they're there. Hey, everybody. Nate here. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, the Snack Nanny. The Snack Nanny is the latest, greatest spill-proof bowl. It's the first snack bowl for kids with a self-closing door. The Snack Nanny allows kids to snack freely without overeating, keeps kids entertained, and prevents them from creating a mess for mom and dad to clean up. Kids and parents love the Snack Nanny. It's easy to use, easy to clean, and includes portion control features that only the Snack Nanny offers. To order, go to www.snacknanny.com or order from Amazon. Remember, you support our sponsors and they support us. Thanks, and you hate to You have a, a seminar coming up in a few weeks, right? Right at the end of the month, 28th, 29th. Hey, could, you, uh, could you just uh, give us the, the basic info, how they, people can find out about that seminar and uh, where they can go to? Sure. First of all, it's called the Kagami Baraku Gashiku, or Renewal Spirit Seminar, and uh, it's going to be in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, you can call 309-692-2499. Uh, try to call between, uh, try, try to call close to class times. You're more likely to catch somebody the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, yeah, but what we do is a little different than what some people do. Friday night, we work out. Okay. And we don't, we don't try to teach. We just get together, Shuriru guys, and we go, okay, everybody runs uh, Kanku Show, come on out. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we all run Kanku Show. Okay, everybody runs Go Pai Show, come on out. And uh, we'll run every kata in the system. And then we always do something different. One year we ran all the katas regular, and then we ran them all hantai. Mm-hmm. One year we ran all the katas, and then we ran all the ipons, taisus, and kihons mm-hmm. uh, with a partner. Well, truth is we ran 
almost all the key homes, but the pizza place said they were going to close if we didn't get over there. Pretty quick, so <laughs> we had to leave out the last four. Uh, one year we uh, ran a whole bunch of katas, empty hand katas, and then a whole bunch of kabuto katas from from Okinawa. Hmm. Um, and so we do a little bit different every year. And uh, uh, one year we did three levels of form sparring. And, you know, some of the stuff we do, I assume that everybody else is doing, but uh, not everybody was at the class that, that Grandmaster Trius taught a particular thing, and maybe right. they missed out on that thing. Right. You know, I was someone um, just called the dojo uh, a little while ago. He's a he's about a 70-year-old guy, and he was in and out of the Shuri, Shore, Shotokan at some point, and he was calling us to ask us about the three levels of form sparring that you talked about because he had read this in the pinnacle and didn't understand what it was and wanted to learn it. And, 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 and you're right. A lot of people, you assume that they know this, but, but they don't. <clears throat> and, and it, you know, may or may not be their fault. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they just didn't happen to be there on the right time or the right place. But then the following day, we have uh, breakout seminars. Uh, o Sensei Bowles is coming in from Fort Wayne. Oh wow! And we let him do we let him do one seminar uh, uh, where he doesn't compete with anybody, and he gets everybody's everybody. Mm. And then we try to break it up so each each time you have a clear cut pick, you can either go with something very traditional karate. Hmm. And as you know, I, I teach, I taught Agana. I'm a, a certified Agana instructor, which is a, a kind of crowd maga, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we do teach something that's very um, focused on applied martial arts. And it, that usually either means Agana or my my friend, student, Yuri Trushin, uh, comes in and teaches Sistema. And he, he was uh, in the Russian border guard. Okay. He was, he was part. Did you meet Yuri? I don't think so. Oh. Okay, but Yuri teaches Sistema. He was part of the, he was part of the people who were forming Sistema when Sistema started. Uh, and so we, you got a clear cut one or the other there, mm. and then the third track that you can pick from will always either be Kobudo or grappling. Okay. Either we'll be doing. Uh, judo or something like judo or strict kabuto. So we want you to, you know, we don't want you to go, okay, I've got three grappling seminars I can pick from this time, or okay, I've got three weapons seminars I can pick from that time. Mm -hmm. We want you, you know, and we might teach uh, the gun disarms from Agana, uh, uh, Koruno Kon as a Bokata, which is what was taught last year, and maybe. Um, Traditional forms of sparring, as taught by Grandmaster Trius, as a third uh, uh, choice. So uh -huh. uh, you got we, we we try to make it very clear cut. So and you, it doesn't mean you have to do traditional karate the whole time. You can do right. traditional karate three times in a row and then jump over and do, learn the gun disarm. Well, wow. that, that's great. I mean, there's a ton of variety. It sounds like a, a, a busy weekend. And, you know, when you're talking about the workout originally, it seemed like Shuru focused. But this this seems like it would be great for anybody, no matter what style of karate. Not, not even karate, but, but martial arts. I think someone who's doing Taekwondo or Iaido could get something out of this as well. If if you ha have an open mind, you should be able to. Mm. Um, and, and 
if you have a chance to meet some, it would be very interesting just to, to meet some of the guys because there's a lot of guys who've been in Shiriru a long time. And then there's guys like uh, Yuri Trushin who lived in Russia when karate was actually illegal and wow. uh, uh, almost got arrested for doing it. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was working out in a room full of people doing karate, and the secret police came in and arrested any, everybody. He was getting a drink when they walked in, and they said, what are you doing here, kid, watching? He was the youngest member of the group, and he said, yes, I'm watching. Huh. Of course, nobody was in a gi because uh-huh. it's illegal to do karate. So he goes, yes, I'm watching. And they go, oh, these are bad people. Go home, kid. Don't hang around with people like this. So he was the only one in the room that didn't get arrested. Wow. Within, within five years, the, the Russian government put him in a karate program to learn to be a bodyguard for the uh, representatives coming for the Olympics. Wow. Very so they flip-flopped on that. Yeah, big time. Which they, which they tend to do. Um, but yeah, so if you if you come, many of these guys are really approachable. Um, guys like Yuri, George Sheridan will will tend to talk to anybody if you if you uh, are halfway friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, sit down and talk to them about what they know about the history of of various things and the history of. Uh, as you know, I'll talk your leg off if you let me <laughs> ch- give me half a chance. Yeah. Um, so so it's it's a. And we have more fun at our uh, banquet than anybody else. We have uh, the best karate MC in Tony Johnston, who can be hilarious. Uh, uh, the best MC anywhere. Fantastic. So it's a fun weekend. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, I think that'd be good. Now it's you know this episode's being released a couple weeks before, so uh, but uh, I will put the the flyer and the contact info up on the chop talk facebook page so anybody can uh go on there and find out how to register and if you were on the fence uh you know this is a good kick in the butt to go and if you haven't heard about it before well go all right thanks again to my first instructor Sheon joseph walker for taking the time to talk with me and to find out more about Sheon Joseph Walker or to contact the Illinois schools in Peoria, Eureka, and Morton, go to www.peoriakarate.com or call 309-692-2499. To contact the school in Burleson, Texas, go to www.burlesonkarate.com or call 817-484-2985. And to find out more about Sheon Walker's upcoming this weekend upcoming seminar the kagami brocky gashku got through it or renewal spirit seminar in peoria illinois call the peoria school 309-692-2499 or email aokkarate at yahoo.com or check the chop talk facebook page for the registration flyer and even though last week's special seminar price with chop talk listeners has technically expired you might be able to talk them into extending it if you call today today all right thanks everybody Nihedibiru and Mataya. Oh, and one more thing. I was checking the Chop Talk downloads this week and was surprised to see that some of the most downloaded shows were the review shows and topic based shows that I did with Ezra. So, that makes me think that this is something you guys would like to hear more of. If so, send me an email at choptalkwithnateengland at gmail.com, send me a message through the Chop Talk Facebook page, or Twitter me at 
Chop Talk Nate, and let me know what you'd like to hear. All right. Thanks, and see you next week. Hey everyone, like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? Then share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karateka. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all? Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.